Hey pumpkins, it's Nick. The following episode of Copulators Die First contains spoilers about the film we are discussing this week. And if you haven't seen the film, go ahead and give it a watch. Don't worry, we'll be right here waiting for you when you're ready. Yeah, and as always, don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe on your favorite listening application. Now, on to this week's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Copulators Die First. Hey Nick. Hi Ash. What's going on? Um, not much. Got a new friend here. We do. We have another friend this week. <laughs> hey, Jake. How's it going? it's going? I was so tempted to be like, this is not slashers. Oh, uh, but I don't know that I have enough fans to get me that kind of pull where I could joke like that. So hey, I'll just say do hi. Anyway. Do it okay. anyway. Ready? Eventually. Uh, okay. That's the goal for all of us, is it not? Yeah. Nick, can you cue me in? Oh. Three, two, go ahead. No pressure. So much much pressure that I guess I was paralyzed. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, We have Jake here from Slashers. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. And I'm also very happy to put our good mutual friend, Matt, from Cult Classic Mania to shame. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Matt. Hi, Matt. That was that was a really fun time, but I think it was mostly a super fun time because Ashley and I were so delirious. Oh yeah, <laughs> when I you was were up, part of that? <laughs> yeah, I was up for I think like twenty hours, and I had gone to work all day, and then sat at a tattoo appointment for six hours. So it was like I my eyeballs are made of crust, and I need this to be done in the most polite way possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a trooper. I don't know. Try multiple it. Times, multiple times you were like, okay, Matt, it's like three o'clock in the morning. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> Matthew, like you're in central time. Yeah. Wrap this bad boy up and put it to bed. Like, yeah. But uh, this week, what are we talking about this week, Jake? We are talking about Jamie Lee Curtis's, what is it, January 15th, 1999 <laughs> film, Virus. It's yeah. incredibly specific. <laughs> yeah, well, if this is definitely not a movie you want to browse on the internet for, like, no. you don't illegally stream a movie called Virus. So everything I did was very meticulous in my Google searches. <laughs> mm-hmm. It there's is also apparently there's a lot of other films called Virus, which I I get um, totally, but this is the only one about this specific scenario. Most of them are actually about like an actual virus. Yeah, or a deliberate computer virus, where this is very vague. Right, like a a computer virus or like a infectious disease virus, something, something that you know is an actual virus. This is very much like a. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Um, is very much bridging on the Y two K, which I I don't think Matthew is old enough to even know what Y two K is, but it's fine. I think he might think it's a pro wrestler. Oh, it could be, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was just we were talking about drag queens, and he was like, "I don't know what you're talking about," and it was just breaking my heart. Oh, I wanted to slap that little bitch. I know, <laughs> I, I know, I know that you knew everything we were talking about. <laughs> I'm like diehard about this. Like, it's very funny that my passions are like horror movies, hockey, my kid, and then drag queens. It's a very weird scenario I but i didn't know you and i were the same person minus the baby <laughs> yeah, there we go well i, I mean, mean actually you have like a lot of, you have a lot of fur babies ashley so I, I mean oh i have too many fur babies yeah it's i don't think fine. there's such a thing no it's there's no such thing 
No. I, mean, no. I, can, I can barely handle the one dog. I love him, but he is a pain in the ass. So I don't understand. I mean, all of mine are pain in the asses. I, yeah, just, I know. I don't understand how you do it. Um, I cry a lot in my spare time. <laughs> it's much yeah, like my, my hobbies are Yeah, my hobbies are hosting a horror podcast and crying alone. Yeah. yeah. Is it about hockey or about the baby or both? Oh, no, I was mocking you. I, I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm totally fine. fine. Yeah, I think after 30 years of being like slightly bitter and hostile about pretty much everything that I, I finally reached a good balance. So I'm digging it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, you nice. deserve that after 30 yeah. years. You deserve that. Yeah. I feel Maybe like Rita the... Repulsa coming out at Power Rangers. After yeah. 30 years, I'm free. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it's coming. It's happening. Maybe when I hit 30, the scales will tip in my favor. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think you're almost there. I think yeah. you're almost there. I have, yeah. I have, I have nine and a half months to get it together. Yeah, I think, I think the the scales would have already tipped in my favor if I didn't decide to live in New York City, where everything costs like a hundred times what it should. So that's a factual statement, and that's why I live in the Midwest. We're here to talk about <laughs> the movie virus. It's very strange. It has a terrible, terrible score on Rotten Tomatoes. Of course, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, Color well, me surprised. <laughs> One of the things that's interesting about the film is it was originally it was written as a screenplay, and then the guy who wrote it, uh, Chuck Ferrer, then mm. converted it to a comic book, and then it was converted back to a film. So, but like the source material is pretty dang different too. Uh, yeah. So it's it's kind of frustrating in that capacity because like the things that were different than the comic that I only found you know, 20 years after seeing this movie for the first time, I was like, man, I kind of like that comic better. Not to be like super hipster douchebag about it. I randomly saw this movie once when it was on like HBO, like late night when I was like a 20 year old in college. And I was like, oh, this is horrible, but I'm going to watch it because there's nothing else on. And I didn't realize it was a comic book. And then I read the comic book and I was like, oh, this is actually good. Like, it's still not the best comic book in the world, but it's like completely how do i say it it's it's a fully fleshed out story whereas exactly this, this movie is not that and the movie feels like it's trying to set up a bullshit franchise whereas the comic is just like it's four issues enjoy it you're done which i yeah. definitely appreciate yeah, yeah that's exactly that sounds like an enjoyable read it sounds like a like a, a chunky comic book mini um graphic novel type situation it where is. there's Oh, now I'm going to have to look for that. And it was like a pretty quick read, too. And like knowing the movie, like some of the ideas are familiar, but like it's a story. It's not like, what are we doing here? Like, I don't know. Like Jamie Lee Curtis, like what? I think one of the most frustrating parts about this movie is that like Jamie Lee Curtis just like does everything. Like she's a navigator and then she's like suddenly... A doctor? Yeah, I mean, I, she was in the Navy, so she had to have some sort of, like, medical field training to some yeah, degree. I, you know, I, I, yeah. That's I a good definitely point. misremember this movie because I remember thinking that she was, like, this strong, badass, empowered woman. And then when I watched the movie, I was like, oh, she's just kind of like the help throughout who's kind of like the Jane of all trades. And then she just loses her mind at the end and becomes frail. And I was like, that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that was my overall aggravation as well. 
And, like, I get it. She was a scream queen. They wanted her to, like, have her scream queen moment. But it was, like, out of nowhere, suddenly. Like, I I think a big thing about this movie is that when people do go crazy, they go crazy out of nowhere. And then there's no turning back. Oh, yeah. Like, with Richie. Right. This guy's been plucky throughout. And that character frustrated me. I don't know how, you know, familiar you are with the movie Predator. But the dude who's, like, using the razor blade on his face... And he goes crazy. Like, yeah. I like that version. Whereas this version, because he lingered in the realm of crazy without dying for so long, it just felt <laughs> weird. Well, right. It felt, yeah, it felt like they were just stretching it for all it was worth. But, like, there was no real, like, substance to it. And I think that's that was the maddening part. Was that, mm-hmm. like, he was crazy without purpose. Yeah, and, and like, he got so silly at a point. You, I looked at his character, like, you know, if you're playing an RPG and there's this guy who's going to give you a side quest... Like, that's how ridiculous and just fluffy he became. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, talking to himself in the corner, and it's, like, got to figure out this guy. Like, what does he want? Like, he wants me to go here and get this thing for him and come back. And he makes that, like, head piece with, like, the binocular parts on it or whatever. But it's not useful in any way to him. Like, he literally is just, it's a headpiece. Yeah, and you're in the dark, in narrow, closed quarters. Like, you're yeah. not going to need that at all. Right. And like funny that you brought up how something reminded you of another horror, well, sci-fi slash horror movie, because I think Ashley and I were both watching this last night and all we kept saying was how specific parts of this movie were very blatantly like, I wouldn't say ripoffs, but I also wouldn't say homages, other very iconic parts of other good horror movies. Oh, absolutely. Would you um, err on the side of saying it's referential? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what episode was that? What episode did, uh, did I think that the... Maybe three? Oh, oh yeah. It was House of a Thousand Corpses. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. We bring back the vocabulary word of the day as referential. The comic <laughs> is not like that at all. No, and it's not its to harp own on thing. It. And yeah. it's great. Whereas this, like, literally, I lost my mind when I was watching this because I don't if if you follow the slashers, you know, history books, we did a bullshit pilot episode just to kind of get the technical kinks down. And we did Event Horizon, which is one of my top 10 favorite movies in the horror genre. And this mm-hmm. movie stole the ending like verbatim. You have a female character who it turns out she's in a dream sequence. There's a jump scare. She's awake on an escape ship. Like it is the exact same thing two years later. And I was like, what the ever loving fuck? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except it didn't work for this movie oh, because not at all. there was no like the other thing. We go through all this bullshit. None of it is like. I'm not invested in basically any of this movie because none of the characters have enough development for me to actually like them. And then it's like, oh, one final scare, but it's okay. They're on a helicopter. They're getting away. And then that's the end of it. There was nothing. It's very anticlimactic. Like, I don't know. Um, the the sea star taking a big fat shit in the ocean yeah. um, reminded I was like um hi have has anybody else seen Jaws like that mm-hmm. boat sinking is very referential of like the Jaws when like Jaws is like breaching the boat and Roy yeah. Scheider's just like uh let hit it with something like that's what it felt like was happening well, and like that guy that it was just a bad time like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that that one didn't like 
there was no connection in my head with that moment. Um, but the thing that stuck out to me the most was when they're in the, what I think was the boiler room or the, it wasn't the engine room because that was sealed off by all the robot things, but whatever room they were filling with gasoline. And then the giant robot thing comes in and knocks them all. And Jamie Lee falls into the growing pit of gasoline and all the bodies come up. And I was like, oh, hi, it's Poltergeist. Yeah. Literally. So yeah. shame on you, production but team. The thing about about this movie is that like it was kind of a colossal pile of shit that I didn't hate. Mm-hmm. And I can't put my finger on why I didn't hate it. And I want to say it was Jamie Lee Curtis, but that may that may just be my default reaction. Yeah, that's definitely your default, Jamie Lee. That's also my default, Jamie Lee Curtis reaction. But I mean, like in general, this was a complete commercial flop. Did fun fact: they created a tie-in video game for this movie. Oh, oh. yeah. And I'll have you know that I had all of the fucking action figures for this not because i love the movie so much but because uh, i i specifically remember going to kb toys and my grandma being like here's 20 bucks go nuts and i go to the toy aisle and there's just all of these mechanized creepy monster things that i was like oh i could just have all of these for a dollar yes please thank you mm-hmm. and so in the backdrop of like many of my childhood pictures you see stuff from this movie and no magic for me whatsoever when I was watching this. No nostalgia. I was just like, yeah, some of these creatures are cool, but this is kind of like the thing meets Robin Williams's toys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, as as of as I've already described this movie multiple times. When I watched it again, I was like, okay, it wasn't as bad as I remember from this aspect. But like in my mind, the monsters were so ridiculous and eye rolly because they looked to me like erector sets. Yes. And like they kind of do, but it's not as bad as I remember. Like I think my memory like warped a little bit and I was like, oh yeah, it wasn't even just the metal parts. Like there was the plastic parts with the cogs, which (laughs) is not true. Um, But also like it could have happened. Like I don't know what they were doing. And the other thing is none of the monsters except for the one that looks like it has wings that kind of looks like an insect, like a bee or something. Yep. Not really at all pulled from the comics. They're, they're just kind of like made up. Like, And the comics have cool ones. For sure. Um, the one that's like an armadillo with all the arms coming out is probably my favorite. It's like a haunting image. And I mean, I get why they would want to do it where they take out the big panels. It's kind of like what they did with the bullshit Transformers movies. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that it's way more picturesque if you have the big panels. And also like mixing the bioorganic matter with the computer stuff like this just looked like, you know, if you were stuck on a naval vessel and you were like, oh, my God, I'm going to do a costume of Locutus of Borg from the next generation. This is what mm. you get. This is yeah. not it's cybernetics. Yeah, yeah, no, that Donald Sutherland was basically just doing, um, what's it called? Um, Jean-Luc Picard? He, he was LARPing. He was LARPing. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I mean... Can we talk about how his accent was, like, there, and then it wasn't there, and then it was there again, and it just kind of devolved into madness? Yeah. Actually, can we talk about how whenever there was, like, a conflict, he would come into the room saying, hold it right there, mister. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like wait you are not 
you're not striking fear in anyone's heart by doing that. You frail old man. This dude with tattoos is going to beat the fuck out you. I mean, I and it's, it's Donald Sutherland. Like, who who told him this was a good idea? Um, like, obviously, even beyond that, who told Jamie Lee Curtis this was a good idea? Her accountant. Mm-hmm. May, yeah, I, well, th- th- I mean, that was a gamble. Not. I mean, it, did, ooh, it only made $30 million and the budget was seventy five. so... <laughs> Something, yeah. something not good happened. I, mean, 90, I want my 99 minutes back, but only so I can understand what the fuck I watched. Like, on, yeah. on our bullshit little show, one thing we like to do is look at the competition for the week that the movie came out. Oh. And so this movie came out the same week as Ad First Sight, which is a Val Kilmer movie where he learns to see. And that's oh. bullshit. That lost a tremendous amount of money, too. But then that... it also came out the same week as Varsity Blues, which oh. on a budget of $16 million grossed $52 million, almost 53 And you're like, fuck, you kind of look at this and all the fringe and the bells and the whistles. And you're like, all you really need is James Vanderbeek crying about shit and you're there. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't want your laugh. The, the, the longer I stare at the poster for Virus... The more I realize that, like, the cross, there, there's, like, the lightning coming down on the earth. And on the left side, there's, like, the shadowy figure of the robot thing. And the more I stare at it, the more I realize that it looks like the robot from Short Circuit. Yeah, that's what I Johnny thought when Five? I watched it. Johnny, Johnny Five is Johnny alive. Five. Help oh. me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. That's a great movie. That, that's from Short Circuit too. I apologize. Yeah, I don't want to okay. diverge too much. Okay, so w- while we're on the topic of being somewhat tangential, I did want to bring up, we were already talking about this movie's like super derivative or referential. Um, <laughs> have you heard of the film Moon Trap? No. No. I had never heard of it either, and I think we're going to cover it on my show because I can't believe that I haven't heard of it. Uh, it stars the dude who played Chekhov from the old Star Trek and Ooh. Bruce Campbell. And <gasps> the movie involves uh, vivisection. You got people being used for spare parts. You have machines that are tethered by cords. And apparently the epic climax is the exact same as this where they're using an ejector seat to avoid catastrophe. And so people online, I thought that there was going to be a lot more overt references to the stuff we've already said. And the vast majority of the stuff in my research was people being like, fuck this movie. It's not Moontrap. Get fucked. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'll just go huh. fuck myself. Thank you so much. I, will, I won't. Uh, I'll see myself out. Anything. So I'm obviously going to have to put it on my list to watch that now. Moontrap. Moontrap. What's up? To me, there's a few parts of this movie that are extremely problematic. As as we've had to say in the past, I think at the time this movie was made, not as problematic as it is now in my mind that these things are. Um, I just sounded like Yoda for a second there. Ooh, I liked it. So, I mean, we could just get into it. We can touch upon these things as they come up as we go along. You know, Richie is an issue for me. Uh, the Pacific Islander character, what's his name? Hiko? Yeah, yep. Hiko. Jeez, that could have been a drinking game. Every time that Jamie Lee Curtis screamed Hiko, take a shot. I know. We would have oh been gosh. fucked halfway through. Well, I th- I got, thought I was super clever, and I was like, oh, he's Queequeg. And then my wife didn't laugh at that, so I said, he's Maui, and she liked that one. So <laughs> I guess Moana references abound. I'm not gonna lie, that crossed my mind that this was this was a Maui thing going on. But I mean, I, I'm not a Pacific Islander, but the fact that 
a man who is cl- like he's clearly not black like he is very clearly a pacific islander given his very specific but blatant hairstyle jewelry tattoos etc he's the one that's going to drown that man knows how to swim like he's fine yeah yeah and i like how like that obnoxious white guy was like i i gotta go bye and like billy baldwin jumps over the side of the boat with his fucking like parachute pants like mary poppins and like saves his ass and then he ends up drowning anyway, which is yeah. the most frustrating part. And it's I yeah. I don't know I I got into the weird headspace of like oh it's it's speaking that time is in ripples because here he is the one saved and then he ter- in turn saves Jamie Lee Curtis later and ends up meeting the same fate. And I was like no they're not that smart they just needed to write off another character so they could right. have the two you know white characters survive and you know we can't have inter ethnic breeding here is what I felt like it was very obtuse the way Mm -hmm. the the team whittles down to just the two white people right yeah especially because jamie lee curtis's character who i forget the name now but she's just in any movie she's in unless it's halloween where i will refer to her as laurie strode she's just always jamie lee yeah very much clearly obsessed with hiko obviously she could not stop saying his name and then like oh yeah we have a cast of characters they're racially diverse but then, of course, the guy that goes crazy, like, off the wall is the black guy. I was like, I'm over this. I can't with this Richie, you know, scenario. There's other movies that are, like, very clearly far more problematic when it comes to diversity in film and all of that stuff. But I'm just like, responsible storytelling is important. I don't think that storytelling in general was, like, a really big priority here. I'm not sure what the priority was. I think they thought they were going to make a lot of money off of like the whole tie-ins and the action figures and it's like 1999 and it's cool and it's robots and robots are hot right now. I bet for sure they thought they were going to get an animated adaptation like the Godzilla with Matthew Broderick. It's totally possible. But I did, uh, to your point, I think that they they could have been way worse with him. Like for the Maori guy to be like, yeah, I want to open up a school. He's like the one altruistic character who's good throughout and he gets the the shaft for it. And then you have this guy. I think that's one of the things we were kind of implying with Billy Baldwin being so frustrating. A, he has the personality of wood on shit. And then yes. B, <laughs> he does nothing redeeming. Like, why is Squeaky so obsessed with him? Why does Foster have any affection towards him? He does nothing. He's self-serving. You find out at the very beginning, like, he's very interested in the money element. Like, I, I don't get it. He's not an altruistic character. And then... It led me to try and justify, like, oh, well, is Hiko, like, the Christ figure? And then I was like, no, again, the writer is not that smart. We're moving on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I think you're just giving them way too much credit in an attempt to um, sew two pieces of shit together. And, like, one of my favorite parts of this film is at the end when they actually blow up the boat. And that sea captain's like, that's a really bright flare. And he's like, nope. No, it's not. No, it's Mm -mm. not. I mean, in general, like the acting, it's on a range for this movie from just like extremely melodramatic to like full on soap opera telenovela style. Like it was very much on that scale. But like anytime they tried to create tension, it didn't work out that well. Main reason for a lot of these issues is Billy Baldwin. I mean, 
And I think the ambiance could really <laughs> use some work. Like, because wife and I had just reviewed Mimic, and Guillermo mm-hmm. del Toro directed that. And that movie is pretty masterful in using shadow to hide certain practical effects and CGI, and it really creates kind of a, a severe scenario, even though it's like unbelievable that there's that many light sources that far underground. But either way, it has a better look to it. This kind of has that sterile, like, late 90s Matrix kind of look. And if you would have done it more like the comic where it's a horror and less action and bombastics, I think that it could have been a lot of fun. Like, I can imagine if you take that Goliath monster and you just up that contrast and put it away darker and let the, you know, it be bathed in shadow, your mind will find those things to make it creepier. Your imagination will do half the work as opposed to just be like, oh, this is CGI and this looks like Beast Wars. Yeah. Right. And like also, like you said, with like your brain, you know, adapting to that darkness, it's like almost like when you're a kid and you know you're not supposed to be afraid of the dark because there really isn't anything there, but your brain is like, holy shit, there's something in the corner. And I feel like that would have worked really well. But I feel like in addition to this being like late 90s and like kind of around the same time I think as the Matrix like you were saying um, and maybe that one alien movie with Winona Ryder so maybe they oh, were trying to yeah so maybe they were trying to like hedge around that time period of like um, being able to market this well like like with the sweet action figures and you know maybe posters and like uh action sets and stuff like that that they could really you know over market to make up for their plummeting sales at the box office yeah i think that's a very fair assessment mm-hmm. also i don't really think that the virus monster thing needed a voice i don't think it needed to talk yeah it was a total ripoff of predator i felt uh, you know, in Predator, you have the monster record the guy Billy and uses the laugh. He records other people talking and uses that against them. And then this, it used the checkmate thing because it was in the computer. And I was like, get fucked. I've seen this before. It's way creepier, I thought. I mean, maybe they're just counting on their audience being completely fucking illiterate and they can't just have it typed on the screen. But I didn't like it either. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. I. So, I mean, yeah, overall... Definitely not my favorite. It wasn't as horrible as I remember, but still not great. Um, so yeah. To be so, honest, this is the first time I saw it. So I yeah, I mean yeah, obviously. Like <laughs> unless you like come across this randomly or something, like why would you have seen this movie? Yeah, this is thing, not something like, I would have like sought out. Like let's let's right. pick this bad boy up let's let's give this a watch no no, and, no. And, and unfortunately this is not a night of the demon situation where you're like oh my god i can't believe i've never seen this movie yeah no. definitely not one of those no oh my god i can't believe i watched this movie exactly so do we do we want to crack this can of worms open really quick sure i, I, I think we're wide open but let's spill them out yeah all right, so let's let's just look at the notes here. Mm, hmm. Let me Starting refer to my the, notes. <laughs> the space event ship academic Vladislav Volov South Pacific with Woof. Captain Alexei and his romantic survivor Nadia. Uh, yeah, and I'm just like, 
I get it. She's Russian, but her name has to be Nadia. And again, oh Jesus, so heavy-handed, right? Um, yeah, and and her acting was just you know a highlight of this of this film. My favorite part was when the, she first like bursts out of the like locker that she's in, <laughs> and then she's like she's like there's a granola bar here. I need the granola bar, and she's like eating it, and it's like well you just ruined any type of anything that was happening here because you just started shoving food in your mouth. Well, and she um, was pretty clearly like a ripoff of a character Newt from Aliens, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a really tough time with it. I, she had the same hair color and the same kind of twitchy mannerisms and the same kind of desperation. I was like, this just isn't good. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't get behind it. Didn't even think about that. But yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So, yeah. Uh, Ashley, how did you describe this movie last night? It's like it's like a leather phase of a movie. It's just a whole bunch of crap stitched together. Yeah, literally. Like I was like, this movie is basically leather, leather face as a film because yeah. you're taking all these things that don't work and you're trying to like cohesively sew them together to form one piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. All right. So my first note, uh, without any context, and I forget now what my point was, but whooshing sound while rounding the satellite i think my point there was this is already corny um because we don't need a whooshing sound while we're panning around a satellite in outer space but here nor there yeah Um, i didn't like that the purple cloud thing looked very much like a ship and i don't know if that was like the bad cgi and that everything had to be somewhat geometric or if it was literally supposed to look like a ship but i really liked how vague the source material is because i think that again that's like your mind adding the creep factor and then in this it was just like oh i guess we're doing independence day again huh yeah it was very weird i was like i like you said i thought it was like an actual physical like being that was going to encompass this other physical being and nope Mm -hmm. and then like the other thing is with that like yeah because i was tricked into thinking it was a ship as well and then i was like oh i'm completely misremembering this movie but then it wasn't um it was just like a field of energy or whatever but then if that's the case it all should have struck the satellite and none of it should have kept going and traveling on its merry way you know that's here nor there i don't think the science of this movie is very you know clad shut tight but um speaking about that like okay so so the satellite is now hit by whatever electronic force that this thing is um but then they start screaming like immediately and i want to know what is going on inside of this space station that they're screaming so much because nothing is really ha- like things are short circuiting i get it but they're screaming like they're dying did they die we don't know yeah they never they never revisit that space trip they're just kind of like well that thing happened and they got weirdly electrocuted by this, you know, gaseous cloud, perhaps. And we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. So what is this virus? What did it do to them? We don't know. But somehow it was able to, you know, transmit itself through space 
into a ship satellite. Cool. Awesome. This is what's happening. Um, and then, I mean, okay, you know, there's the scene on the Russian ship and everything short-circuiting and they're all going crazy and blah, 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 blah. Then we're immediately on the Sea Star and it became very clear to me very quickly that whoever wrote this movie didn't know anything about, like, sailing talk or, like, ocean yeah. travel. Yeah, like, maritime language. Yeah. Because yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is like, uh, come back. And it's like, um, I've seen, I've seen, like, some you know, uh, Smokey and the Bandit a couple times. And I'm not saying they're the same thing. But I feel like the CB radio conversation is pretty similar. Right. And and then, like, fast forwarding a little bit, but once they find the Russian vessel and they're on the Russian vessel, they start using the term maritime law real heavily. And I'm just like, this is not a real conversation that's happening in the real world somewhere, according to maritime law. Like, I get it. Like, they're debating, like, if they're going to get lots of money or whatnot. But, like, clearly, whoever wrote this script, they, 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 they I don't know, got a pamphlet or something, because this is 1999. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and they just, they, they stuck with what they found in there. Um and didn't bother to like really familiarize themselves with the topic of sea. I don't even know the right term. Sea life, sea travel. Maritime law. Maritime. Maritime. Right. <laughs> She's like, according to maritime law, if there's anybody on the anybody on the ship, we can't take it. Right. And uh, you know, Captain Captain Bobby is kind of a dick, and he's like, "Well, we'll take care of that." And it's like, "Whoa, Mister." <laughs> I love that she's like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, I think I was pretty overt, bitch. I meant I was going to kill them dead. Right. I was pretty clear. I did not stutter. But maybe he did. He was probably drunk all the time. So, eh. Right. And, and okay, so, so now, like, we have the first major conflict of this movie. Like, I totally get that, like, you can be sailing along the sea and you run into a storm. I totally get that. But how did they not realize they were, like, literally sailing into a typhoon situation. Uh, okay, whatever. Um, but then this whole back and forth between Billy Baldwin and Donald Sutherland where he pulls the gun and like Billy has no reaction to the fact that there's a gun in his face. Well, then later he's like, you ever pull that gun on me? And then he's like, you'll do what? He's like, oh, I think you know. Fuck, right. threaten the guy. He just threatened you with a gun. Say exactly. shit. And like, so, yeah. So, like, now I'm just like, who wrote this scene? A passive-aggressive toddler? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, who, like, doesn't get how grown-ups actually talk? And they have right. this, like, vague idea of what threatening people's like? But but that would explain that would explain where the line "hold it right there, Mister" came from because that's the first time Donald Sutherland says "hold it right there, Mister" when he pulls the gun on Billy, um, and that just makes me chuckle. <laughs> Hold it right there, Mister. Um, it's, be- it's better when you use the gay vernacular for it. Hold it right there, Mister. Like- well, right because that's in my mind. Even though that's not how he was saying it, that's how I was. Uh, that's how I was hearing it. That's how it was implied. Um, right. So we already know we're in for a treat from the beginning. Um, 
Oh, no. Also, while they're sailing through this typhoon, one, you wherever you're going, you kind of have a general idea of where you're sailing and like time of year. And like, I think based on the coordination of like, uh, you know, the the Russian academic ship that they're like, you know, in the Pacific area, they mm-hmm. have a very specific time of year where it's typhoon season. Why would you sail with, quote-unquote, according to Wikipedia, uninsured cargo in typhoon season? Like, you're just, you're begging for a bad time. Well, right, but this is all supposed to be, like, you know, building up the fact that um, Donald Sutherland is, like, you know, a a dirty, dirty bastard sailor, you know? (laughs) Um, That also was gay in my head. (laughs) Dirty, dirty bastard sailor. Yeah, I don't Um, think you can say that without the lisp. It's not possible. Yeah, Yeah. no. Um, Right, and, like, like, that's the thing. Like, again, right before he pulls the gun on Billy Baldwin, he, like, pours out this entire, like, life story of his. Like, well, this is unsecured cargo and I put all my money into it. Like, he basically says, like, I put a lien on my house so I could afford this cargo and, like, I need this cargo to get where it needs to go to because I need to make money off of this and da 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 And it's like, okay, hold up. Like, I understand, I understand establishing character here, but it's too much at once. Too much. And then, like, next second there's a gun out and nobody's, like, reacting to it. And, like, Jamie Lee, like, basically rolls her eyes at the gun as well. And it's like, okay, apparently this has happened a lot on this ship. Like, oh, here we go again. (laughs) Wait right there, mister. Like, he's just, like, your drunk uncle that shows up at Christmas. And he's just threatening everybody. But he's too drunk to go through with it. So you're just like, it's okay. Go sit down. Like, you're like, oh, God, Uncle Donald's doing his old shit again. Get the bottle away from him. Uncle Donald's back on his old bullshit again. And Billy's so unimpressed. He's like, look, I'm not even going to finish threatening you. You're probably going to forget about this drunk guy. And then, like, the next scene, he's literally getting drunk, which is actually the most beautifully, like, framed shot of the whole movie. And I was like, oh, you wasted it on this completely unnecessary piece. Right. And then he's, like, debating killing himself. And, like, again, like, I get it. He's, like... He's a dirty, dirty sailor. Um, <laughs> dirty pirate. <laughs> he's like clearly not made great life choices. Um, choices. And, you know, mental health, it's a spectrum. I understand. I get it. But zero to 60 in 3.5, as Rihanna would say, because why is he like suddenly like, Okay, I gotta kill myself now. Like, what happened? Um, he yeah, lost it, it was his uninsured cargo. Well, it was the thing that was crazy. It's like he had talked about how he invested all of his life savings into it, but it wasn't like he was Han Solo and he had a life debt to Jabba the Hutt or some bullshit. He was just out money, and it's like, all right, well, you're still alive, and you're still right. on a boat that could make you more money. Right. Like he was just trying to make some money. Like, yeah. So he's a dirty, dirty pirate bastard. <laughs> um freaky money gonna get the money yeah and then and then like you know suddenly out of nowhere jamie lee is like oh my goodness there's this thing it's a blip on our radar um and then she says something like some other jargon that again was clearly pulled from like some sailing pamphlet from like 1998 or something like that very current Uh, very current of the times certainly yeah 
Um, it was actually way more current because, yeah. True. I, just, I was, was trying it. to make a nautical pun with the word current, and I was like, oh. I, I just got over it too quickly. I probably should have wrote it out, but I'm sorry. Oops. <laughs> no, because good. you wrote it out. That's an uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, I hate it. I thought you were just referring to the fact that it was like a digital Doppler, which I feel like for 1999 <laughs> was probably pretty um, uh, futuristic, but whatever clearly went right over my head um right so then like okay they find this vessel and then there's this like five minute sequence where they're trying to get a hold of the vessel and they're like we're 300 yards out and then like a lot of stuff happens and they've only gone 100 yards because now they're 200 yards out and i was just thinking to myself like they're moving very slowly Mind you, there is a leak in the boat at this point because they just, you know, sailed through a typhoon and they lost all the cargo. But it just seems like they were going really slow. Yeah. And then the the boat itself, she even says, like, on the little radars, going zero knots. And then when they get up to it, she's like, oh, it looks Russian. And I was like, Russian where? Ah! It's going zero knots. And I look over and my wife was already asleep. Thanks for the dad jokes, Jake. You're welcome. Yeah. My wife um, literally didn't make it that far in the movie. She was unconscious. I was looking for like the yuck, yuck, fozzy bear kind of waka waka. Nothing. Yeah. Not even a, a piteous. So thank you very much. Womp, womp. No, we, we, we enjoy this humor on Copulator Side first. But speaking about the fact that she was like, it's a Russian vessel. Like, I don't know anything about sailing or being in the Navy or any of that stuff. <laughs> Um, Wait, you can't say it like that. You can't rush in the Navy. You have to be in the Navy. Navy. Come Um, on, dude. Whatever. Um, Does the hetero dude have to lecture you? What the fuck? I am not a village person. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like, so is there really... What? I'm just very excited about the... I'm not a village person. Like, don't pigeonhole me there. (laughs) I'm not a caricature. I'm not a caricature of my life choices, I swear. Um, Yeah, but you know what they say. It takes a village person to raise a child. (laughs) Oh, snap. Oh, Oh, man. Oh, my head, it's just spinning. I can't. I can't (laughs) take all of it. Um... Is there really, like, this Bible of, like, boats, though, that, like, Jamie Lee, like, she opens it up to the page and sees, like, it's this specific boat um, in the Pacific. And it's this thing. It has three satellites, and this is the name of it, and it has this many labs. Like, is that a real book? Yeah, yeah if I'm a Somalian pirate, I'm I'm subscribing to whatever journalistic publication that is and be like, oh, cool. I know I'm going to rob the Vladislav Vladiskovsky and make right. $30 million. Sounds like some, like, great. Magic, magic boat Bible. That, pull, like... up, pull up the, the boat yellow pages and let's see what we can rustle up. Like, that's so weird. I mean, I guess it would be like a like a maritime, almost like a catalog. You know what I mean? So like a mail-away cut... catalog? Like... Yeah, you have to mail-away for it with your, like, boat-specific, like, name and, like, call sign, probably. You like, can't because... pay for it with money. You have to pay for it with, like, I don't know. Uh... Doubloons? Yeah, I don't know. Something, <laughs> like, you know, from your cereal box, like, you know. Proofs of purchase? Proof of purchase or whatever. Um... Yeah, definitely. 
That's how that's how Captain Captain Bobby came across it. He mailed in all of his labels from his Jim Beam bottles. Oh, oof. Oof. Yeah, like when when he decided to become a sailor, was he like given with his diploma a bottle of Jack because it's probably what happened. Mm, um I don't suggest it, but probably. Yeah. Well, okay. So Right. So they're just like, they're trying so hard to like set up the story. And I'm like, there were so many ways that this could have been done at least a little bit organically, but it's just like, oh, this is my line. And like, we are describing in detail this boat that we are about to board because I need to so that you understand where we're going. Yeah, it was exposition for exposition's sake. I mean, there's no reason that they would, like, I get, if you want to, you know, have the argument later on that there's the valuation. As you're exploring the ship, you could have the guys getting more and more giddy about the stuff. But the fact that there's, like, some itemized list, that's not sexy. It's boring. Right. Mm. And, then, and, like, immediately, Donna Sutherland is like, oh, okay, I know what we're going to do. Now I'm suddenly not going to kill myself anymore because we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to cash in the, the money for this Russian vessel. Um, I mean, just like overall, he is just like, he's, he's so hungry and desperate and I, I can't with him anyway. Do they ever like specify how much money he actually like invested? No, of course not. Oh, Why would I, he do I just, that? yeah. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't something that I, missed in my um haphazard why am i still watching this hurry the fuck up so no, yeah no, no okay no. yeah i mean honestly and like now they board the ship they get to the navigation room and again another drinking game would have been how many times they said according to maritime law because they're just going back and forth according to maritime law this according to maritime law that etc cetera, etc cetera. um and then my next note which I, I don't know what exactly this is referring to, but I guess it could be referring to the entire movie. It's just a cesspool of misogyny and bad ideas. Mm, yeah. I mean, I mean sailing. Sure. I mean, that's not wrong, but I don't know what I was talking about specifically. Well, I think that Ash brings up a good point in that you don't know how much Donald Sutherland lost. So you don't truly have any kind of gravitas in terms of how financially destitute he is or why it's so imperative that he gets this money because like it's money he doesn't have. Right. So if you don't have it and you lose that opportunity, you haven't truly lost anything, but here we're talking about something that he's fungibly lost and that could give us such a great glimpse into why he's so desperate and literally willing to kill people plainly. But right. in this whole scene, all we establish is like, okay, they're all just selfish. And that's what I mean. Because Billy Baldwin's just lumped in with all the rest of the fuckers. And I'm like, I don't have any sympathy. You guys are all being uh, overtly materialistic. And there's, you know, maybe it's the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis's crucifix was glaring me in the face the whole time. And I was like, oh, I'm more moral than the rest of you. But mm. Oh, that could be like a subtle undertone. Oh, yeah, know. subtle. Subtle. So subtle. Well, um, she literally says at one point in that scene, there's no such thing as easy money. I was like, tell it to ooh. the carpenter on the cross, lady. Yeah. Um, I mean, pi piracy. <laughs> yep, that's easy money. Especially I mean, if the ship's not going anywhere. Someone's got to be the moral compass of this, you know, uh, flaming bastard pile of shit. 
But like, which is weird because like, hi, Hiko. <laughs> Oh, like true. good guy, good guy Hiko. Like he he just wanted enough money to like you know uh, pay for his very honorable business venture, and it's like he was the one that got shafted the hardest. He lost his right. face in a dream, like but like you know he was obviously the dispendable um, minority character, right? And they they were like, oh, we're not making a black guy the dispendable minority character. So look at us, we're being cool. Yeah, but, we're just gonna use a slightly tan person, right? Like, yeah, I've and we're seen... also gonna make a joke about how that person of ethnic descent can't swim. And I was like, did you just just take the two characters and switch them? Right. It felt overtly racist in that capacity Ooh, too. Yeah. Okay, good. So it wasn't just Yuck. me because I was like, no. Because yeah, I mean, for like well, five minutes, it makes minutes... no sense that a guy who works on a boat would say he can't swim. And I don't. I I kept watching the scene. I rewound it twice, and I think that what he's saying is he can't swim because his leg is stuck and he's got like the injury to his leg. But then later on, he shows no evidence that he can swim when he gets swept off. So it's you know, I all I can say is it's racist until proven otherwise. Yeah, I mean that that's a good way. That that's definitely a good way to function. Um, in in this, yeah, I get that. Yeah, um, I'm glad it just wasn't me though, because I was like, no, this this, this is striking a nerve. Yeah, this is problematic. All right, so it's a cesspool of misogyny and bad ideas. Cool, wonderful. We've already talked about Hiko. That I wrote like a half a page on him because I was very, very mad about the whole scenario. Um, again, I wrote down, hold it, mister. Um, <laughs> Every time. He just, because he just says it too many times. Like, I can't with him. Um, um, huh. Richie. You, you Richie. can never be. D- oh, what, what Richie says. Because again, oh, it makes I was no like, fucking sense. Right. Because like, who wrote this script and thought like, oh, let's give Richie a quote unquote one liner here. You can never be too rich, too thin, what? Or what? too well armed. And I was like, yeah, that's very specific to the fact that you're in a room full of guns right now. But also, why are we talking about weight? Too thin? I don't understand. Well, literally, have you heard of starvation? You literally can't be too thin. Like, it is yeah. a fact. And then the guy that, like, ditched Hiko on the boat goes, oh, I can't carry all this stuff. I have a bad latissimus. And that's when I had to pause the movie as a scientist and say, hold up. I just need to Google this to make sure that latissimus is a real thing. And I am surprised to say that the latissimus is a real part of the human body. It is the it's 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 the sheet of muscle that runs along your back, which connects under your armpits. Yuck. So basically, that was a really fancy way of saying I have a bad sore back. I can't carry all this stuff. What a um, weird way of phrasing it. Like, oh, I I sprained my latissimus. Right. So from now on, I'm going <laughs> to use that. Obviously. Yep. Um. Arthur, dear, fetch me an ice pack. My latissimus is sore. Yeah. I mean, right now, sitting in this chair, we, I have a really crappy office chair. My latissimus is acting up. So, Jake, how's your latissimus? <laughs> I think it's, I've tucked it back for this recording, but hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, it was just, I was like, okay, you know, I, I always have to poke at the, the medicalness of a movie, but, um, and then like, you know, the, the next thing we know, the next thing we see is they're in the room where they're making, I guess the gatherer robots. Can I rant real quick? Oh yes, please go ahead. None of this looks okay. So I don't know if maybe I've been to restoration hardware too many times, but none of this looks reclaimed. Like that's one of the things that's super frustrating in the comic and compared to this, like the comic, it looks like stuff that you see in the ship. Whereas you see so many little like servo spider things and it's like, okay, what part of a Russian science vessel are you like what reclaimed pieces of these different various things are put together to make this? Did you guys get frustrated by that? Especially in the scene where it's like the little, you know, conveyor belt line. Right. And I think that's where my thought of like, oh, these are erector set robots come from because all the parts are too shiny. All the parts are too new. Um, and they literally look like the the metal bars that come in an erector set with all the holes in them. So like you can build whatever you want. Um, and I feel like the spider thing, they may have just like bought like a whole like surplus lot of like spider erector sets and been like, cool. These are some of the monsters. Build them all. Y'all got to put them together. <laughs> Cause like literally though, I was like, yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, I think at this point is where I was like, I'm just going to suspend all disbelief here because clearly we're in for a hot mess jacuzzi of crap. <laughs> Yuck. Um, but like also like they, they're not showing you what's on the tables, but later on, like it could have been that they went to a different lab, but like they're making it seem like on the lab tables, on the slabs is where they're making the robots that are part organic human material and part machine. And I feel like if I walked into a random room where there's like weird robot things running by themselves and that was going on on the table in front of me, I would have been far more freaked out than like, cause like Richie's like, Oh, this is so interesting and cool. Like what's going on here. No. But like there was probably human parts on those tables. How did you not react to them? Yeah, and it's been seven days, according to the Typhoon thing with Typhoon yeah. Leia. And so it's like, I, you as a scientist, I'm sure know, like, the human funk develops very quickly. And oh, yeah. especially unrefrigerated human funk. Mm-hmm. So he would know that that's not just, you know, the smell of oil and tin. That's some blood and butt juice going on. Yeah, just gross, gross human juices all around, especially because they're near like the boiler room and the engine room. Like, yeah, no, you're just gonna turn into goop. It's gross. And then, like, so that so this is the first time that we see in the shadows one of the human cyborg things because it shoots at them. But like, they pick and choose when they're like, ew, it smells bad because, like, in this scene, I think maybe right before the guy starts shooting at them. Not Richie, but the other one that ends up dying pretty quickly. Um, says Sweet. like it, it smells in here. Yeah. Um, but then like there's other scenes where like no one's reacting to the funk. The severity of the funk would be more than just like 
uh, maybe like some food went bad, you'd be like, holy shit, it smells like a dead fucking rotten body. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you're literally in a confined space with circulating air. Like, you would not be able to escape that stench. And yet they're just like, whatever. Yeah. And like, and then in other scenes, there's like literal like piles of rotting skeletons because the robots have picked off all of the muscle and stuff. Like, it makes no sense. And I, I don't think our job here is to make sense of this because we can't. But right. So then like, from that point on, I don't really have any notes because <laughs> this is when it just kind of like, you know, falls into insanity. Um, so then while Richie and what's his name, whose name I already forgot. Also, oh, no, it's Woods. Woods, right? Because Squeaky is like. He's been trapped in the thing and gets pulled in the air vent. Right. He's like, hey, little dude, what's going on? And then. <laughs> Which, but he's like, just a fucking idiot. Like, right. there's no way that that's a person who has crawled down in there. Why are you looking? Why are you talking to this? And, like, it makes no sense how he's that gullible. And then he gets it. And you're like, yeah, you deserve to be pulled down and, you know, vivisected. You don't deserve to live if you're going to follow a squeaking sound down an air duct. And that's coming from a vegan guy who would probably like to interact with a rodent. It's a dumb idea, especially on, a, like, a foreign ship. Well, right. But, like, at this point... Is this a horror movie? Is it not? Because actually, at like at any point, is this really a horror movie? I don't know. Because ultimately, a big part of a horror movie is not only building up suspense and like making us scared of the monster in the closet, but also a part of the fear that we're experiencing is because we care for the characters that are being pursued by the monster. And ultimately, I don't like any of these people. So I don't give a shit what happens to them. Yeah, I thought it was like, so like, upon watching this, I thought for sure that the virus itself was some sort of like computer contaminant based on like the beginning with the spaceship. But like, upon reading about it, internet is telling me the ship basically becomes like a living creature because of all of the, like, cyborg situation. And thusly, Jamie Lee Curtis and co. are the virus. Yeah, and that could be a really cool reveal if it wasn't in the trailer for the film. Yeah. True. This is true. Yeah. An issue of mine here as well. And, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if this was a conscious decision on the filmmaker's part or not. But the fact that the robot virus monster things were all wired was annoying to me because like you're trying to build up that there's this like giant threat to humanity but ultimately it's not getting anywhere they can't get off the ship of course that's why the virus thing is like steering the ship towards somewhere that it can transmit itself to other parts of the world. But ultimately, regardless of where the virus is, it's going to be wired to something. And if there's an off switch, it can be defeated. I mean, there's no Wi-Fi, there's no Bluetooth. So it's very much like a hardwired in situation. You're you're transmitting a virus via dial-up at this point. Well, right. It's 1999. So yeah. <laughs> well, hey, if we well, go back to the original, 
So at the end of the comic book, not to get too far ahead, but in terms of technology being dated, they vaguely threaten that the, you know, the virus is going to continue going on because there's a floppy disk floating in the water and there's the quote, <gasps> there's another storm coming. And I was like, when I read that, I was so giddy. Like, do you know how many fucking floppy disks you would need to have like one twenty fifth thousandth the sentience that this creature has? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but also, I would have preferred this film ended that way. Well, right. Because, like, this is one of those movies where the ending should have been, like, it's the ending question mark. But instead, it's like, okay, it's all over. We're on a helicopter. Goodbye. Yeah. And aside from her dream, there is no kind of hint that it continues going. But it seems like the movie painfully tries to set up, like, the potential for a franchise. Like, there is no definitive end, but there is no tease of something further right right um but i would not have wanted to see a virus too so i'm glad there you know wasn't one virus know. two electric boogaloo oh i would have watched that i mean if it was marketed right i probably would have seen it begrudgingly but <laughs> never happened oh well you just see yeah. Nick sitting there on a couch with his arms folded and his chin in his chest do you want to change the channel no I don't like it. <laughs> it's how I watch a lot of movies, to be honest. Yeah. I don't I don't like it, but I don't want to turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's basically um that, that that's how I ended up watching the entire series 30 Rock. Mm, I don't Which, like it. <laughs> you know, no, I, I love 30 Rock, but like at first I was like, I don't understand what's so great about it. And then I was like, oh, I'm on season two. Okay. Also, it's one of Arthur's favorite series because he's obsessed with Tina Fey. So it's sure. always on our house. Um, yeah. So like now it's just like everything's happening at once. So basically, Richie and when you say his name was Woods, um, they get attacked by who we find out to be Alexi. And while that's happening, Nadia and Natalia, uh, she attacks everybody else while... Jamie Lee is trying to fix up um, Hiko's leg. Um, and then where they like, they're like trying to make decisions about the monster, but they're still not like 100% committing because Alexi comes back into the control room once they're all there um, and it, and it, and it attacks them. Nadia's like, Oh my God, it's Alexi. Do you believe me now? And then like you there's get the token this... black guy line when Richie's like, I gotta get off this ship. And I was like, you're the only person who knows what the fuck's going on. You're the only person who's being able to analyze this. And then you're like the plucking token relief. I, It was right. so frustrating that you would juxtapose him being a very sophisticated and well-trained individual. And then the comic relief, who's the butt of the joke. But it, make, it makes no sense. Like, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to hire that many actors or they didn't have the budget or whatever. But yeah, it's like too many things are trying to be shoved into not enough characters. But so then it's like, oh, this guy's brain is electronic, um, but he's still aware and himself. But if his brain isn't in his head, then that's not really true 
Um, and like clearly based on the look of the human parts, like hi, yeah, like he's been dead for a while, his eyes are glazed over, like it's gross and disgusting. Um and I also don't understand what the human parts are doing. Because well, in right. this very specifically, it's like skin and it's almost like a shell versus yeah. in the comic. And I hate to keep harping on it because I don't want to be that guy who's like looking down his nose at it. But in the comic, you're seeing muscle tissue, almost solely muscle tissue, thus to kind of show you that it is an integral part of the way the machine is moving and reacting. And in this, it's just like, oh, we're just going to take this machine and put some fucking skin on it like it's part of the Sawyer family. Ew. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's also because it's like, OK, like, cool. Um, I get it. But like, if the brain is not in the skull, you're just using the skull as a giant cup for <laughs> the, the you, robot parts. You literally then, read my mind. Right. But then like also with the Alexi monster specifically, then it doesn't even matter that his head was there to begin with because when they not when he gets knocked off the table because of oh. the other incoming storm, like it turns into like skull spider thing. Rip off of the thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I was going with that. Sorry um, to cut you off. No, no, it's fine. But um so again, like too too many too many blatant like they're not, again they're not ripoffs, but they're not homages. It's like we get it. Like they you were, want this. Yeah, <laughs> they were just taking parts of other things that worked really well because they thought they could cohesively put this together and make it work and be like, all these things worked and they worked really well, and that's what made the movie so good. But there were like too many things getting stitched together on this leather face of a movie. It's like, ugh. Especially the uh robo guy at the end with his uh his like really wide claw reminded me of um Ellen Ripley doing her thing in like in the first alien in that uh going back to the Alexi monster, what I'm just <laughs> realizing now is not only was that like a ripoff of the thing, but they like unwittingly invented like the head spider monster toy thing from Toy Story, but like the bloody version. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but right. So now, uh, so now Nadia's like, oh my God, um, I didn't just know Alexi. He was my husband. And, and it's like, okay, we get it. Um, they're like, we got to figure out what's going on. We got to turn the power off. Um, and then they come across the first like giant, like robot thing. But then like also squeaky is there. Um, and he's totally the board from Star Trek. I mean, he has the complexion. He has the eye, you know, appendage. Uh, the way that he like turns, it, it's it was very almost distracting how much it would rip off that felt in the aesthetic. Because also it was so like localized to his face. If they would have done something a little bit more to make him look more mechanical, it would have been fine. But this was just, I don't know. You guys don't seem as like the diehard TNG fan that I am. So you probably weren't as offended. But to me, I was like, this is an outrage. I'm going <laughs> to start a petition. We're going to end all copies of this Blu-ray until it's rectified. I mean, yeah, I, I, I will say I don't think I was as offended. Regardless, though, is not a good-looking thing. It's not a good look. Right? Because um, the whole time I was thinking um, how 
I believe it's Hellraiser. I don't know if it's three or four, but whichever one where they're like, we're going to up the ante and bring this into the 21st century. Um, Pinhead. There's a bit of that in three. And then there's also the one where they do the video game. Okay. So then I think it's three because like, it's the one where Pinhead makes like new Xenobites, very specific to technology. The one that yes. has like the three CDs in its head, and there's right. another one that has the eye thing, just the same as Squeak. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's where my mind went with like the whole camera thing. But then also, I was thinking to myself, if they wanted to make this like a gross out horror movie, how disgusting would it have been to see the sequence of Squeaky being turned into that? That because like... he's the most sympathetic character in the thing. Right. So yeah. So, uh. So yeah. So then. So, like, this is when they first interact with the virus thing in this computer room because that's where they flee to. And I've I've played enough Xbox Live in my life to know that that's not how you talk to somebody who's threatening you, right? No. You got to no. be like, your mom's a bitch and I fucked your dad and blah, blah. And that's the way you get the computer's attention. You can't right. just sit there and be like, oh, yes, sir. Right away, sir. It was very, it was, it was very odd. Um it was a very odd communication, but I did enjoy how the, the, the virus was like communication terminated. And that was the end of it. It's, like, it's basically oh. like it hanging up. I'm hanging yeah. up now. Slamming yeah, down like, the receiver. Like like th- this virus has got some sass. Um, he's like, I'm done with you. Goodbye. Well, I'm not going to gender the virus, but it was like, I'm done with you. Goodbye. Um, and then, so now they're like going cuckoo all crazy. And then Donald Sutherland is like basically standing there laughing. And that's the first time where I was like, what is your role in this movie? Like, what is going on with you? You are so weird in this movie. (laughs) And then Jamie Lee Curtis, like, obviously she's supposed to be punching him in the face. It was obviously a theater punch. And the angle that they decided to use for the final cut was like super bad. And it looks like she doesn't even make contact or if she did, it was like kind of like a light, like, you know, little like boop on the chin. I'm going to do you a boop because that means stop. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. But like also, I hope it wasn't because like she is woman and they are man like the uh, this movie already has enough issues. But anyway, she's like, you're not in charge anymore. And I was like, yay, Jamie Lee taking control kind of um and then he sits there while all this crap is going on and he just starts laughing and i mean it's probably because he's still drunk let's he probably has no concept of anything actually occurring i don't know it just it's like (laughs) it it perturbed me that like he was laughing so then he gets summoned by the machine right and he ends up in the area where you find out that they've been working towards the goal of getting to where the central mainframe is and you find out that it's moved the central mainframe um donald sutherland then walks through what is probably the most visually interesting part of the movie where you have like the machines just experimenting on these bodies Um, right he comments on the body that has no head and i was like It's been about 20 years since I've seen this, but I feel like that's foreshadowing. Sure as shit, Mm -hmm. you find out that his head ends up on that body later, which I thought was one of the more redeeming parts of that character. Oh, see, really? Because 
to me, I was just like, it, it, I was so mad that he like basically just like he's talking to the the virus like I am the um what did he call himself like superior being yeah I'm I'm the superior being here and like I don't think at first his idea was to surrender his physical body to the virus yeah I think he was trying to like get in cahoots with the virus and then I was like hold up a second now he's like a robot dude so he threw everything away um well i don't think he did it willingly i think that that's that's like the be careful what you wish for kind of aesop's fables stories like there is no negotiating with this machine it's going to consume you even if you know you think you're the you know predominant being even if you think you're its equal uh, it's going to take over and you have no power against it yeah and and that's that's probably you're probably right but then what i would have liked to see is the scene of him like i don't know getting knocked out getting stabbed whatever being like nope you think you can be in cahoots with this thing but you can't because it's in charge so you wanted to come up in this kind of scene where it's like yeah here you you learn the folly of your ways and then you become the automaton like I, I don't need to see like them attaching his head to the body or anything like that. But like, even if we just saw like the robot knocking him out, I would have been like, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, Donald Sutherland as the robot is the one clear picture that I did have right in my head from the first time I saw this movie because he has like that weird like one eye visor thing that flips in and out. While he's walking, they did that like 1990s CGI where like they shot the scenes from like his neck up and then like made the rest of the scene later on. But it's like not super great CGI yet. So it looks a little bit like wonky, like Godzilla ish in like the wide shots. But I get it. I get it. It's supposed to be like, oh, my God, look what's happened. But it's like it's like almost comical, but I'm also like, ugh, it's Donald Sutherland's head. Like, ugh. I guess I, I maybe I just have an issue with Donald Sutherland and I don't realize it. I don't know though if it's maybe it's just this character. Maybe it's not Donald Sutherland specifically as a person, but maybe it's just this is character Everton. I mean, yeah, I like I really like him in in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Hell yeah! yeah. I feel like it's hell yeah! Hell yeah! There's been plenty of things that I don't hate him in, but I mean, in, in that sense, then maybe this was a fantastic genius performance on Donald's part because I yeah. hate him so much. I, I think that's one like of the things he... that you have to struggle with with any truly great villain. It's like at a certain point, you have to not like them. You know, like well. it's looking back is kind of a weird reference, so bear with me. But like when you had Roddy Roddy Piper do like half blackface. We were like, yeah. man, you're so good, but like that's too far. But then at the same point, you're like, but if you don't go that far, are you the best heel in the biz? I feel like the character wasn't fully formed when he took on this role. And he was just spitballing stuff to try and see what would stick to kind of give this character some substance. Hmm. But in the end, I, think I don't think. Fair. Yeah, I feel like that still didn't work. 
when he goes and he make he literally makes a wisecrack when he's gonna kill himself, where the guy's like, "Oh, we found a boat that's dead in the water," and he's like, "I'll be right there." Like <laughs> that's so discordant with what he becomes. Sorry to cut you off, Ash, but yeah, you no, were no. Good point. All right, so my my last note is a arrow pointing down that takes up half the page. Um, and then Jamie Lee has a poltergeist moment. Oh, she um, does. Which I think ultimately is me saying a lot of shit happens. There's like a lot of running around and screaming. People are going crazy. Like, and then like we see Richie like doing something, but like we're supposed to believe he's like off his rocker crazy, but obviously in the end he's not. Like, huh? oh, look, we didn't see that coming. And then, like, basically, out of nowhere, Jamie Lee just starts screaming at everything. I don't know, traumatized by the situation, I guess. Yeah, she becomes um, this frail woman character. And it's it's very weird because all the way up to that point, she's been so competent. And this is where they frustrate me. Because if you have a character who's expressed competency and, and cool-headedness throughout a movie and they lose it, it's a great way of showing, you know, through the you know mind's eye of the character's that the situation has become dire. But she's surrounded by these people who keep a cool head. Like Nadia is completely legit. Uh, Billy Baldwin's completely legit. You know, and then you just have Jamie Lee Curtis who's like, I can't do anything anymore. And it's like, but aren't you the same lady who was doing stuff like 10 minutes ago? Didn't Mm -hmm. you just punch a captain? But now, now it's too much. It's just very frustrating. And and I think like, you know, so it was a very specific choice where once she was like captured by like the big like Johnny Five on steroids looking robot, like obviously like now she's too disturbed to function. Um, I would like to make a formal uh, pitch that we call him Jonathan Six because he's a yeah. Johnny Five all grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John- Jonathan, but without the H. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, like he don't J- need no H. No. He don't need no H in his name. He ain't a human. <laughs> well, there is an H, but it's just at the later part of it. But yeah, that's true. All right, fine. <laughs> Jonathan. So Jonathan's getting sassy, and he's kidnapping ladies. Rude. Right. But like, why? Like, you want to just kill everybody? Why? Like that point. Why did he just capture? Again, we're not gendering the robot. Why did it just capture Jamie Lee Curtis and not kill her when everything else, like it's just like you die or you don't? Like, why are you suddenly taking a, a captive? He says that he wants to find out where the detonator is. But then my question was, why don't you just, you know, start using your robot shit on her brain and take the information as opposed to trying to, you know, negotiate with her, which you've never done in the rest of the movie. Right. So, like, here's where we're playing with the rules of this movie, which are very loose, obviously. Mm. Um yeah, so like I ultimately I never take the threat seriously. I never take any of these characters seriously. So it's like, all right, I watched a cool 99 minutes of something. Something. A whole bunch of weird stuff put together. Yeah. I mean, we're on a boat. Mm, I'm um, on a boat. I don't have my flippy floppies. <laughs> do you do you think Hiko had his flippy floppies? But he actually he may have been actually not wearing anything other than flip flops to be honest because remember he's he's a Pacific Islander so yeah 
Yeah. So, like, Maui. Maui didn't wear shoes. Yeah, Maui didn't even wear shoes. Maui don't need no shoes. So we don't no. even know. Did Hiko have any shoes on? We'll never know. Oh, going back to that, when uh, Hiko saved Jamie Lee Curtis, another joke I said to my wife, who was asleep on the couch beside me, was, you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, yep. It took me a couple, it took, it took me like a few too many seconds to get that, but I got it. Yeah. Sorry, bud. No, it's all right. It's, especially like considering how many times I've had to sit through Moana, I should have gotten that immediately. Not because Arthur loves it, but because all the children in our lives love Moana so much. Me. It's fine. Yeah. No judgment. No judgment. I don't care if you're going to judge me for it. I don't care at all. I know all the words. To, well, not all the not all the songs, but just Moana's, really, basically. I mean, I find Jermaine Clement to be a treasure, so I'll watch it. I love the fuck out of that, man. Me too. Wait, so let's let's wrap up what happens at the end because it's yes. like you said, it's just dumb. Like it's weird. Richie shoots a bazooka at one point and it blows up and the Goliath creature doesn't get killed. Or excuse me, Jonathan Six doesn't get killed, but then Steve gets hurt, but then he's not hurt enough, and then the same creature pulls down all the metal, it kills Richie. Richie's like, Hey man, go to the missile bay, you're gonna like this. And he's like, Why don't you just tell me what it is? And he's like, Cause I'm too busy dying. And they, mm. you have Billy Baldwin and J- Jamie Lee Curtis getting there because Nadia has killed herself for no reason to try and protect them. Right. And then there, there's this stupid scene, which makes me so mad, where you find out Richie's been trying to develop this ejector seat this whole time. And then he's like, well, Richie said that he rigged this just for one. And she's like, well, I'm not going without you. And he's like, but you got to because it's just for one. And she goes, but I, I'm not going to go. And she grabs him, and there's literally a lever that has a one and a two, and she moves it from the one to the two, and they both shoot out. It is the dumbest fucking, like, three minutes of my life. Well, right. I know. <laughs> one and, and, to two. Right, but for, for many reasons. One, because why are you suddenly caring so much about this man who you could not stand, like, 45 minutes ago? And I will not venture down the avenue of it's because they've shared a traumatic experience together. No, that's no. He's a stupid asshole person. That's a um, cop out. Yeah. Two, I don't know if it was just me, but there was two, like there was two positions for, you know, if the ship was still functioning for them to load missiles out of. And in my mind... Both of them were rigged. So there technically were two ejector seats. Maybe that was just me. Oh, no. The whole thing makes no sense. Okay. So, okay. All right. And yeah. So, so then it's not just me. But then also I'm thinking to myself, how big is this ejector bay that like Billy Baldwin is not going to like hit the ceiling of it and like die by accident because there's not enough room for two bodies to get out of there. So then, but just like also one last thought, um, the whole like we have we have to like we have to watch all of the the cord be pulled, like Ugh. that giant Jonathan Six creature is not suddenly that dumb that he doesn't know what's go it because we're not gendering it does not know what's going on that he couldn't have just grabbed it and been like got you suckers yeah. Um, also, going back to that 
uh, ejector bay situation. How big was that hole that two people could fit through it? Because I'm pretty sure, like you said, I'm pretty sure a missile is smaller than two people. Exactly. In diameter. Yeah, definitely. Definitely small. But whatever, they both survive because they have to, because they're Caucasian Mm. individuals who will... Probably, if there was a sequel, now be married or something like that. Like Speed 2. And then we come to this part where where the ship blows up, right? The whole thing. And the other sea captain with his binoculars is like, that's a big flare. And it's like, what kind of dumb shit is that, Captain Crunch? Get it together. Okay, I know it's almost over. A few more minutes. But then I didn't remember what the end was like. And then I was just like so perturbed by the end because I at least wanted there to be like a there's still something in the water like you know just like a little like uh uh-oh oopsie poopsie things aren't done but it was just like everything's hunky-dory now um they also didn't do a good job with the whole what actually occurred being a dream that Jamie Lee Curtis was having because yeah I was very confused by that that. Right. Yeah. If like if you weren't paying attention well enough, you wouldn't have realized that that was a dream that she was having and that they were already on the helicopter. I feel like you could have just stopped it. They didn't do a good job and left it there. <laughs> it could have just been like fade to black. We're sorry. We know this movie's not fantastic, but we do thank you for purchasing a ticket. Um, See yourself out. Goodbye. Um, I mean, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is you know, uh, very much vocal about how she doesn't enjoy this movie and she wishes that it didn't happen. So uh, thank (laughs) God for that. (sighs) Because if she thought this was like, you know, a a shining star in her career, I would have had to reassess a lot of my opinions on her. Um, we'd have to snuff out our same Jamie Lee Curtis candles. But but she's she's Jamie Lee Curtis, like obviously Everyone stumbles once in a while. It's um, also it was also like a weird time in cinema, like nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, like the Matrix, Armageddon. I think was around the same time. Deep Impact. It was a lot of movies that were piggybacking off of each other that kind of had similar plots. Right. But there was, was always one that like did better than the other. Yeah, and it, it was like a lot of movie posters where like there's a shot of the Earth from space, and there's like lightning or laser beams like you know lighting up the the space sky um and there's like some type of light or eruption in in the outer hemisphere of the earth and there's like people's like heads fading into each other um type of situation like very much that so i totally get that it's like of the time typically i love a time time period piece (laughs) but (laughs) this was one of those mishaps that didn't end up going so well um but 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 you know we we learn from we learn from mistakes like this so ultimately this was a lesson that we needed all right i mean we kind of we kind of put the sandwich to bed together the best we could so um jake you're familiar with our our cast and how we go about our ratings in a score of one to five pumpkins. Um, this was your pick when we first started talking, you know, getting down to the business. Um, do you want to give 
give first impressions, last impressions, and a rating, if you would? Fuck. Now that you've given me credit for it, I'm going to say four pumpkins. But if it would have <laughs> just been that this was decided on in a democracy, I probably would have said two pumpkins. Um, I mean... There are definitely redeeming parts of it. Uh, but, you know, like, for instance, going back, I legitimately did not illegally download this movie. I went and rented it on YouTube. And I was like, four bucks? All right. And I'm pretty frugal when it comes to stuff like that. And even at the end, I'm like, all right, I don't need my $4 worth. Like, let's hurry the fuck up. And then I realized after it was over, like, I should have waited to see if there was a post credits. But I just Googled it. and There's not. So I feel a little bit better about my $4 investment. Um, But, like, we've kind of beaten to death at this point. Like, there's a lot of homage encroaching on just complete theft. Uh, but it's worth having seen at the very least so you can see like something that doesn't work. Like Cabin in the Woods was a movie that took all of this shit and put it together into a delightful potpourri. And this is what happens when you take all of the stems of flowers and you put them together and it just smells like chloroform, chlorophyll. There mm-hmm. we go, science. But yeah, I think two out of five is a fair assessment. I don't think that this is the worst thing I've ever seen, but it's certainly not you know, upper echelon. This is no masterpiece by any means. Nicholas, pumpkins, please. Mm-hmm. I mean, so just to just credit here, this technically was a semi-democratic decision to do this movie because the two of us got a talking about, somehow we started talking about virus. I don't know how. But we were like, we should do this one. So I, I'm always up for any ride that Jamie Lee Curtis wants to take me on because I love her very much but this was probably like her worst work in the horror genre specifically and it's like one of those movies that I don't necessarily completely regret seeing so I think I'm also gonna give it a two I will say that in many ways the I mean obviously the title virus comes from the comic book series that it's based off of but it's also quite a Uh, appropriate title for this movie because in many ways this movie in itself and stay with me here is a (laughs) virus upon the horror movie genre itself because it's taking a lot and not giving back so there's a fair point so two out of five we'll go with two out of five ashley i as a first time viewer of this film um I'm going to give it a two. I, did, I didn't hate it. I hate a lot of things in life, and this is not one of them. I'm mostly giving it a two because everything about it is so fragmented mm-hmm. that there's no actual, like, cohesive story that was put together that really would have carried me through to that three mark. And I feel like because all of the characters were so underdeveloped that it was just... Uh, I feel like it was just premature, the whole entire thing. Had they done the floppy disk thing that Jake had mentioned earlier to where they could have set it up for a sequel that would have been better than the first, like to correct all the things that they did wrong, I feel like that would have just been like the justification and the rectification that this film needed to not be a total one or a zero. But Jamie Lee Curtis can carry it through for me at a two. I I would agree that ultimately... um... There's just, yeah, nothing is well-developed here. Anyway, all of this negativity is just pulling us down. So (laughs) 
<laughs> Six out of 15 pumpkins is a 40%. So I'm pretty sure that's a failing grade. That's an F minus, my friends. Um, I think this movie is really... The thing that gets it where I could see giving it three pumpkins, it's that it could have been great with minor tweaks. And that's something that I generally lean on the side of undervaluing things, especially, you know, there are potentially people in the audience who are listening to our review to see if they should even watch the movie. Uh, you know, I always try and go on the lower side to hedge my bets and my expectations so that, you know, that cynicism kind of pays off and you generally like things more. Uh, in this, like, I think if they would have leaned more into the horror and a little bit less action, it would have had a, a better amount of success. And just like a couple tweaks, like it's amazing the change that one floppy disk in the water would have done. But I think that's there. It's amazing the change that a little bit of lighting would have done or a little bit of editing. But, you know, overall, I don't think that we should feel bad, you know. No. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, sorry to cut you off. I feel like if they had stolen more from Alien, it could have been pretty cool. Yeah, more Alien, less Aliens. Yeah. Like, a lot more shadows in the dark, a lot more uh, transversing long hallways with noises. And, like, there could have been, like, you know, little sparks and things, and it would have would have been more effective. But um, so, so what you're asking for is this film to basically be Dead Space in the sense of horror. Because oh. Dead Space is one of the scariest games I've ever played. Nick and I played it together. And it's like, uh, this film would have dramatically been, for me, this feels more like a, like a sci-fi, like, like when they made that fucking battleship movie with Rihanna. That's what this feels like. Mm. Fair. Yeah, same color scheme, same color scheme with the poster, yeah. I mean, well, same general one... basic idea, too. Like yeah, Nick and I had aliens. talked about, like. This movie is like a passable made for TV sci-fi film by today's standards. Yeah. And it was meant to change the world. So it, it kind of shows where it landed. Yeah. Mm. This this is like the Sharknado, I think. Ooh, it really it, it it does kind of have a Sharknado-y vibe. They're just there's just not as much terror read. <laughs> Thankfully. Oh. Yeah, but like terror read in, <laughs> in that movie is like one of the best parts because it's unfortunately comical anyway yeah no dead space uh, yeah like it, it's very much that except this is not in outer space it's on a russian vessel in the middle of the ocean but and that's the other thing like there there should have been a sense of isolation a little bit but there wasn't any sense of isolation whatsoever f minus um jake do you want to plug your shit I will plug my shit now. Uh, I host a weekly show that comes out Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is called Slashers, and it is loosely themed around our love of hockey. Uh, the show was originally called Two for Slashing, as in two minutes for slashing, which is a penalty, and two hosts for slashing. But that's a mouthful, so we switched it to Slashers. Um, every week we do horror movies and, you know, analyze them uh, we've been trying once a month to do a Stephen King adaptation which includes a book review so that's super fun to be in your 30s and doing a book report but you can find us at slashers pod on Instagram Twitter Facebook and then all of your podcast platforms were there uh, if you don't see it shoot an email to slasherspod at gmail.com and I'll get on that directory um, but I've done that for two fans who were just like hey I don't feel like downloading another app 
And we did it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be a guest on your show. Hopefully I can reciprocate and have you both on Slashers in the not-so-distant future. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm very glad that we were able to make this happen. Honestly, I don't know how much of a loyal listener base we have yet, but anyone who is out there that does listen on a regular basis, I would definitely check out Slashers. It is a very good time. Also a very good time on Instagram as well. As I always say, we'd love to hear from you. So please email us at copulatorsdiefirstpodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and Instagram at copulatorsdiefirst. Um, Ashley, am I missing anything? I feel like that's it. No, I think that's it. We don't have a Twitter. I am not a Twitter user. I'm, Me neither. I'm... I'm terrible at social media. Like, I'll post on Instagram once every rare while because I'm just whelmed by social media. I'm too yeah, much Jake, of a grandpa we... for Twitter. I, look, yeah, I, don't, I don't, don't get it. I don't but, I don't yeah. get it. I don't get the tweets. I don't understand. Like, I, it's not for me. Um, but, yeah, Jake, thanks so much for coming on our show. And we look forward to working with you again in the future. And it was an absolute pleasure having you on. So, thanks again, pal. Thank you, comrade. Ooh, ooh, comrade, sticking to our, you know, our Russian roots here on this maiden voyage of shit. Well, it's mm. my favorite gender-neutral pronoun besides creep or goon. Mm. And oh. uh, I feel like some people take a negative connotation to creep or goon, so comrade it is. I mean, that's obviously why I want. We're we're trying to make the the term pumpkins happen. We'll see. See. How. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. We're just, gonna, I, we're just gonna throw those pumpkin guts at the wall and see where they stick. All right, friends, uh, once again, keep mm-hmm. on creeping on, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.